Welcome to the One New Man Network from Kirtlandry Ministries at House of David, where we learn about the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. The following is a replay of a previous service. Your Father is worthy of praise. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. Thank you, worship team. How many of you know that there is actually a gift of the Father's love? I mean a gift, an impartation. And tonight, it's my prayer that as we go through this, these scriptures, that there will be a, an impartation and a gifting to each and every one of you to have that gift imparted to where you'll have an encounter with the Father's love. No, I mean an encounter with his love. Because whenever you have that type of an encounter, what happens is a lot of times it literally will break you down. And it breaks down the walls and things that we put up. A lot of times we put up self-protection walls. And sometimes we... um, we don't fully grasp the love that God has for us. About 14 years ago, there was a man that prayed for me that had the gift of the Father's love. And I had a very loving earthly father that I thought a lot of, still think a lot of him. When I look in the mirror anymore, I see him looking back at me I don't know how that happened. But when this man prayed for me, something happened that I wasn't expecting. Because, I mean, I literally, it just, I crumpled into a puddle. Now, I know I'm, some of you may not think that's kind of hard for a crumple into a puddle at this size, but (laughs) it did to me, it felt like it. And I always wanted to have a relationship like what my dad had with the Heavenly Father. Many of you have heard my testimony about riding around with my dad, going out and checking crops uh, in the old pickup, and he'd be holding a conversation with the Lord, just like the Lord was sitting in the truck with him. And it's because he was sitting in the truck with him. He had an encounter with the Lord of the Father's love a long time ago, but it took a, a tragedy in his life. And I pray that that's not the way with us, that it takes a tragedy to make him begin to dig for a relationship. See, it's one thing to know about the father, but it's another to really know the father and have the father impart into your understanding and into your mind and into your heart how much he loves you, how much he desires to have fellowship with you. See, the Lord has a plan. If you look in the genealogy of Christ in the book of Luke, and you go to the very end of the genealogy, it says here is Adam, and it lists Adam as the son of God. See, that first Adam 
when he sinned, it created a separation. It created a barrier. And the Lord's plan from that moment on was to see his son restored. And not only just that one individual, but all those who would come from him, which puts us in that number. So the Lord's desire is to restore us back to the relationship that Adam had in the garden, which was to walk with him in full fellowship, but most importantly, also being clothed with the righteousness and the light of God himself. See, because Adam had no other covering in the garden other than the light, the glory, the glory, the glory that was from his father. And that's the purpose of God's plan is to restore that glory to each and every one of his children. So in Jeremiah 31 and 3, we're going to begin. And this is the Lord speaking to Jeremiah. Now he's speaking about the nation of Israel, but in broader sense, he's speaking about to everyone. So it says, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. The Lord from the very beginning has had it in his heart to make known to man that he loves him. That from the heavens above, there is a manifest experience of God's love that is directed towards mankind on planet earth. From the very get-go, from of old, from the very foundation. And it's not just a temporary thing, but it says it's an everlasting love. You know, a lot of times it comes across, a lot of times people portray it as, well, you know, the God of the Old Testament, you know, he's quick to judgment. You know, he's just up there waiting to throw lightning bolts at you when you mess up. You know, bad God, but good Jesus. And that there's a change, that there's a difference between the two, and there's no difference between the two. The God the Father thought enough of us to send his son to redeem us and to begin the process of restoration that everything that was lost in the garden to be restored. But it's a process. It says, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. So the Lord is in the process of bringing us back to himself. Everything that God does, everything that happens in your life has this single purpose behind it from the Lord, and that is to draw you closer to him. Over and over in, in the scripture, it talks about how the Lord dealt with the nation of Israel when Israel was in idolatry, it was in sin, it was doing all these other things, and the Lord would send correction to get them to come back to him. To say, you know what, I am not sufficient in myself. 
I need some help. God, would you help me? And turn their hearts back towards the Lord. God's heart has always been turned towards you. God's heart has always been turned towards humanity on this planet. It hasn't changed. It is an everlasting love. And therefore it says with loving kindness, he draws us. Everybody knows this next scripture, John three sixteen. It's, it's seen in ballparks. It's seen all over the place, bumper stickers everywhere. But there is some purpose that goes way beyond our understanding with this verse. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. Well, the world is full of everything but love. The world is full of all sorts of different convoluted ideas. But God loves it. Loves it so much that while the world was steeped in that sin, in that rebellion, in that deception, in the lie, God still reached out and sent his son for us while we were still sinners. That's an amazing kind of love. That's love that goes beyond the comprehension because most of us can love, you know, somebody that returns that love. Most of us can, you know, we can kind of understand um, when it's kind of appreciated that, you know, that, you know, I love you and, you know, you, you always want to hear that I love you back too. You know, it's, it's, it's never, the one-way street on that is never really good. Couples, husbands, wives. You always want to have, I love you, you want to hear that back. God's been saying, I love you for thousands of years. God's been saying, I love you for thousands of years. And he does still love us. That whoever, it's not... Uh, it's not such an exclusive, well, you've got to, you know, you've got to look just right. Your, your hair has to be combed just right. You have to wear the right kind of clothes. You have to, you have to have the right kind of background. No, it says whoever, whoever means whoever. The Lord chose some very interesting people to be his disciples the Lord chose some very interesting people to be his prophets. Very interesting people. They had to be pretty interesting to do some of the things he asked them to do. You can go back and look through the pages and the prophets in the Old Testament. They did some unusual things. Shaving off things and running around with not many clothes on. And I mean, there was some pretty unusual cooking your meals on certain types of fuel. <laughs> the Lord has a sense of humor, but he also has a purpose and a plan for what he's chosen to bring about a desired end. It says that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So whether it's life in this realm, 
if that's all that we see, then obviously not too many people get out of this life alive. Think about it. Not too many people have made that exchange between this life and the eternal one without laying this mortal, this flesh in the ground. But here it says that whoever believes in him will never perish. So that means that while this body may lay down, it may be planted in the ground as a seed, it's going to come back up. Because the word of God can't come back void. Whoever believes in him, it says, will not perish, but have everlasting life. So to be absent from the body, simply, you know, Paul talks about, you know, to be present with the Lord. So you're going to continue. You've got to, it's just, where do you want to be? You know, it should be pretty obvious and pretty easy, but I've had people tell me before, I said, oh, you know what? I don't know that I want to go to heaven. You know, that's going to be boring. You sit around and you, you, there's harps and there's clouds and I just, you know, I want to go have some fun with my friends. It's like, dude, are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. You may think I'm joking, but I've actually had this conversation with one, someone that's in my family. It's just like, I don't, I don't really want to. You know, that's, that's, all of that's all just, that's fairy tale. It's not fairy tale, it's reality. Your choice that you make here determines where you're going to spend eternity. And while some may not believe it, they say one second after you die, reality sets in. So we can have everlasting life. We can have the love of the father. We know that he is drawing us, but how do we enter into the identity of belonging to someone who is the creator of the universe? How do we get that identity? Where does that come from? In Romans eight verse two, it says the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. So in other words, there is a different law. You know, we, we talk about the law that's, that is in the book about the, everybody say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm free from the law. Yes and no. We are free from trying to have to keep it because it's never about, love is, is you know, one of the first things that the rabbi talked about and the th 10 things that you need to learn sooner rather than later is that love is a choice. Okay, so love is a choice. It's not just a feeling. But when the law came, the law came for a purpose to expose our lack. The areas that we need to be transformed into a new creature. The law came with the specific purpose to make us aware of our shortcomings. But it says the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. 
for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. In other words, our flesh by trying to keep the law outwardly never saves anyone. But it does expose what's there. It can't save us, but it can certainly identify some things. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So the provision came is that Jesus Christ came with the express purpose of taking care of the sin nature that was in each and every one of us being passed down generation after generation after generation that was the, the, the cause of, the, of separating us from God the Father. For that cause, it continued to pass down, bloodline, you know, just keep repeating itself. But God had a plan to replace that because of his love that he took his only begotten son and sent him in the form of flesh to redeem flesh. That the spirit would come and then would begin to regenerate us on the inside and regenerate our old nature into a new nature, just like what was there in the garden before the fall. We were weak through the flesh. We couldn't keep the law. No one could keep the law. Only Christ could keep the law. The only reason that he could keep the law is because he has a different bloodline. He has a different bloodline. His father was perfect and is perfect and continues to be perfect. But then their process is as we accept him, as we accept the finished work of Christ, that bloodline then is transferred into each and every was. His blood flows through your veins. So that begins to remove the condemnation so that the righteousness begins to flow in. And then what happens is our minds begin to be transformed into a new thought pattern. Does the old man still try to resurrect himself? Absolutely. That's why he has to be put on the cross daily. And allow the Lord, the Spirit of God, to come and live in and through us. But we need to walk, it says, according to the Spirit. So in Romans 8, 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. When God's Spirit comes in and begins to give you the impartation, when the Word of God that has been planted in you as a seed begins to take root, and the Spirit waters it and it begins to grow, what happens is there is a transforming process that happens that we begin to think and act differently. Not keeping the law out of duty, but keeping the law because you have become the law. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That same word that became flesh now has become flesh within us. These are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. So if you're led by the spirit, you become the sons of God. 
There is no fear of rejection if you know you're a son or a daughter. No fear. God does not cast you out. He does not come to, to, to nitpick at you and say, you know what? You're not doing this good enough. It's never about your performance. Love and the love of a father is never about performance. I've seen kids at ball games, and it's amazing what you hear out of parents' mouths. It's amazing what you hear. There are those parents that they're just proud that their child is out there on the field. Then there are some that they want theirs to be the star. Not only the star, but a superstar. And if they're not, those kids hear about it. And that's a shame. Now, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm all for being as good as you can be, but I'm also about, let's have some fun. The Heavenly Father is about, you know what, let's have some fun. As you go through life, let's have some fun. My dad always used to, whenever he used to teach his class, he always, he always used to teach his class, you got to have some heaven to go to heaven in. You have to be able to tap into the resource of heaven here on earth so that you can keep a joy so that you can have hope for the journey. That's what a good father will instill in his children. You know what? Maybe you didn't hit the home run. Maybe you struck out three times in a row. It's all right. You'll get them next time. You may have fallen. You may not have done everything just perfect. Quit being so hard on yourself. Quit taking yourself so seriously. God loves you in spite of it. It's not about your performance. He loves you because he loves you. He died for you to bring you close to him. So you have this, there's no fear of rejection. We have then it says a spirit of adoption. You have received the spirit of adoption. How many know there is a spirit of adoption? Well, I would rather not be adopted. I would rather be just legitimate. Adoption is legitimate. If the Lord adopts you, I would take it. I would take it. You know, a lot of I've heard people say, well, I just, you know, I wish I had some rich uncle, you know, and, and he would come and he would adopt me and blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, man, you've got the king of heaven. You've got the creator of the universe who says, I want to adopt you and bring you into my family. Take advantage of that. That's the great deal. So we have this spirit of adoption. When the adoption comes, it says, if this spirit comes, it says, by whom we can cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. What does that mean? It means Daddy God. Daddy. You know, I've seen some of the toughest hombres going just crumble and be turned around by one little girl come up and say, Daddy. She's got him. Daddy, can I have? Oh, for you, hon, anything's possible. I may have to go borrow the money, but it, you know what? You're getting it. I've seen grandparents do the same thing. 
What do you think about your heavenly father? When you come and you ask and you say, daddy, he loves to hear his kids call him daddy. You have to own that one. You know, a lot of times we go in respect, absolutely. But you have to have an intimacy with your father. If I can encourage you in this one thing, it's this. Get an intimacy that you know the father. And that you can call him daddy. That you've developed a relationship. That you can feel his embrace. That was one of the things that whenever I was with my dad and riding around and I watched him in his prayer life and I watched him uh, in his teaching, I, you know, just, I was around dad all the time. I was privileged to work for him and with him. So I was around him all the time. He probably got tired of me hanging around, but, because uh, I went with him everywhere. Sometimes I think he would go off and leave me just so he could get a little bit of alone time. But uh, with the Heavenly Father, it's not that way. But as I observed him, as I observed him, what I found was that he had such a deep love for God. He had such a, such a need to be in the presence all the time. And he took the presence with him everywhere that he went. That was a great example. And I wanted that type of a relationship. When he passed away, I, I made this prayer to the Lord. I said, Lord, I want what dad had, but I want a double portion of what he had. And, and the Lord began to do just that. But then later on, I found out that I'd made a poor request because the Lord showed up to me whenever the man prayed for me about experiencing the Father's love. And what God told me was, is that I've got so much more for you than that. What Vernon had was great for Vernon, but what Tim needs, only I can supply. Only I can supply. And you need to let me be the one who measures that out, not you. Let my spirit come and begin to minister into your heart and into your mind. Allow me to take my word and plant it inside and then begin to water it and, because it and cause it to grow up and begin to come and bear fruit. Let me do that because I'm the father. I know better than you do about what you really, really need. So, we can cry, Daddy God. And as we cry out, Daddy God, everything that is lacking in us, understand, the Holy Spirit and the love of the Father, it comes and it examines and it searches our hearts and our minds. It sees those areas where we're full and those areas where we're lacking. And the Holy Spirit comes and it begins to minister into those areas where we're lacking so that we can reach our full potential. God wants you to walk in the fullness of his glory. When Adam walked in the garden 
And he began to go through and he named the animals and he named the trees and he, he did all this stuff. That was pretty good for not having a college education. I don't know exactly what college he would have went to. Heaven you? Or something like that. I'm not for sure, but he had a profound understanding because of who he was. He says he was created in the image. God said, let us make man in our image. And he did so. And then it says that he breathed on him and man became a living soul. His mind, his will, his emotion was all centered around what was breathed into him at its very inception. That's where God's taking us back to. That's what God wants for us. No story about the father's love can be spoken, I don't think, without referring to the prodigal son. Most everybody knows the story. You have a father. He's got two sons, an older and a younger, obviously. Even if they were twins, it would still be an older and a younger. But as they progress and they begin to mature, the one son, the younger son says, I want to do my own thing. I want to go my own way. The father doesn't try to stop him. He gives him his request. He gives him his portion. And away he goes after a few days. He goes, you know the story. Lives it up for a little while. Things are good. The money runs out. Things are bad. Happens a lot. Now he's in a position that he never thought he would be in. Now he's in a, a foreign land. He's underneath a taskmaster, a boss, who has him feeding swines, and, but he's given him nothing except the husk that the swines eat. He would have filled, it says, his belly with them in the pods. And it says that he comes to himself. Sometimes all of us have to come to a place where we can come to ourselves and say, you know what? This isn't working. Enough of this. It's time to return to where I belong. It's time to put on the real mantle that was mine. What was lost? It's time to return to that. So he goes back and goes to his father, and it says the father sees him afar off coming down the road. And instead of being disappointed, being judgmental, says, aha, I knew that would happen. I've been waiting for this day. No, it says that the father went out with great joy and received him. Flung his arms around him. Wept over him. Put the robe on him. Put the ring on him. Welcome him back to his former position. Come home, throws a party. It's all good. Great end of the story, right? Except that's not the end of the story. The other brother that stayed home, the dutiful one, comes in and sees the party going on. 
says, what in the world's going on? Well, the servant tells the brother, your younger brother's come home. Your father's welcomed him in. He's killed a fatted calf and they're having a party. Come on in. Not a chance. Not going. Can't go there. Because I know what he did. So he won't go in. This is the father's love. The father has two sons, but he loves them equally. This is the father's love. He goes out to the older son and says, why don't you come on in? Can't your son has done this and he's done it. He made all sorts of accusations against the younger son. Some of them may have been true. Some of them probably not. But the father doesn't listen to the argument. He says, look, this one who was dead is now alive. Everything that I have, your complaint that this is unfair, everything that I have is yours. And this is what we really need to hear. Everything that I have is yours. Everything that I have is yours. Everything that I have is yours. The purchase price of my son upon Calvary's tree, the stripes that he took upon his back, the words that he spoke out into the heavenlies, everything that he has is yours, purchased by that love and that blood and that name. Everything, everything. Romans eight sixteen <clears throat> says the spirit himself bears witness <clears throat> with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, we shall also be glorified together. The Spirit himself bears witness. <clears throat> There's a testimony that's going on in the heavenlies. There's a testimony that's going on in the heavenlies. The Holy Spirit says, this one's mine, 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 this one's mine. Saying that we are his children. If we're his children, then we have heirship. We have an inheritance. It says that we are joint heirs with Christ. Well, where is Christ at right now? It says he's seated where? The right hand of the Father. There's a kingdom. So that means that you have kingdom access. Not only do you have kingdom access, but you have kingdom authority. Go in and take things that are part for the kingdom. So when the enemy raises his head and says, oh, you can't do this. And he begins to make accusations and he's doing all these other things, trying to keep you from what is rightfully yours. You can say, stop, hold it. Here's who I am. I've got the robe. I've got the ring. I've got the name. It says that there's a name written on our foreheads. 
that the Lord put there that says we belong to him and those, therefore if we belong to him, we can claim what's ours. That's what you have to do in certain situations. That's what, for Olivia, you got to claim it. She is the healed of the Lord. She is the healed of the Lord. She is the healed of the Lord. For Michaela, Michaela is the healed of the Lord. When it looks like the bank account is a little short, you need to claim, Father, your provision is sure. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. Father, I thank you that you're going to open the windows of heaven. If God can go fishing, if Jesus can go fishing or tell Peter to go fishing, take that first fish, look in his mouth, get the money out of that fish's mouth and go pay the taxes. That's a pretty good deal. Might want to hone up on your fishing skills. Join heirs with Christ. So everything that Christ did, you can do. Then it says that if we indeed suffer them, we will also be glorified together with them. You are going to receive glory. You receive glory. What does glory look like? There's a glory that's in the world that has nothing to do with the glory of the Lord. But there's a glory of the Lord the world has no understanding of. Where there's a glow and there's a presence from the encounter and that you are literally the carrier of the glory of the Lord. That's an inheritance. In Romans 8 and 28, it says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. All things work together for good doesn't say all things are good. But all things work together for good. Sometimes those challenges, those tests are good for us because it drives us closer to the Lord. The things that happened to Job happened so that the glory of the Lord could be poured out on him. Job was blessed. I told you my dad suffered something that drove him to his knees to seek the Lord. My oldest sister, older sister, was born with a birth defect she lived about seven months. During those seven months, my dad was on his knees. My dad was on his knees. He'd had a casual relationship with the Lord before that time. That child drove him to his knees. At seven months of age, she went home to be with the Lord. And my dad didn't get bitter. 
he got better. He got better. He went after the Lord with everything that he had. And God honored that. I'm the beneficiary of that. I got to witness that pursuit where God not only pursued my father, but my father pursued after him, heart after him. He had a heart after God. And that's what it takes to see this supernatural transpire. I watched my dad pray and watched healings. My, my brother jumped out of a hayloft one morning. If you knew my brother, he was a pretty good-sized guy. Broke his ankle. It turned black as coal almost immediately. And I saw my dad reach down and grab hold of that ankle. And all he said was, Jesus. Jesus. And I watched that ankle shrink in dad's hands. That's the father's love. That's tapping into the resource of the kingdom of God. That's the heart of the father that you're able to, in time of need, tap into the resource that's there for you. All things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. I look in the mirror and I see my dad, but I want to look in the mirror and I want to see Jesus Christ. I want to see the eyes of Jesus looking back at me and when I look in the mirror. And I hope that you do too. We are to be conformed into the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Things work to bring us into that conforming work to be shaped, to be molded, to be brought into the right image of what we're supposed to bear. He's called, each and every one of you are unique. You're special. Each of you are unique. Nobody can fulfill another one's role. There's a certain thing that's just for you. And God has a really big call on your life. You wouldn't be in this house if you didn't have a call on your life. You wouldn't be here. But you are here. And God has called you. And he is shaping you. He's molding you. Some of the things that you're going through that seems difficult... I've heard numerous people talk about, you know what? They end up meeting people that just rub them the wrong way. They just rub you the wrong way. And they begin to grate on you. And it's just like, ah, it's not comfortable. Well, there's a shaping, there's a molding process that's happening. That person may have been sent not by the enemy, but by the Lord to reveal some things in you. A lot of times, exactly what makes you uncomfortable with that person is in you. 
There was a man, you've, I don't know, I, I know I've told this testimony before. There was a man that was sent to me when I first started teaching. He used to bring a stack of books to Sunday school class and would sit right down in the middle of the class with the idea, I'm going to check this out. I'm going to see if what he says is true. That's great for a young guy to start out. But it actually was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Joe was sent to me by the Lord. I saw him in a hospital uh, not too many years ago. He was over checking on uh, a friend of his that was there. We sat in the waiting room and he came in and sat down. He says, I'll bet you hate to see me. I said, no, I don't. I thank God for you. His jaw dropped down. I said, that's right, Joe. I said, God sent you to me. He said, why did you say that? He said, I came in and said, you know, I was looking for everything that I could. I said, I know. But I said, that's what I needed. It made me dig. I dug in the scripture. I was, I was loaded for Joe. I was more loaded for bear. I was loaded for Joe. <laughs> On Sunday morning. I thank God for Joe. He helped me a bunch. Made me get it to where I could get up in front of almost anybody because he would ask some of the questions because I always like to have an interactive class. This is hard for, for me and it's, it is, you know, I, I like input back from the people. And so as we do that, well, he would come up with something that would, okay, I'll answer that, but now let's go back to the, to the lesson where we started and back to the same. But it, it, it helped me. It really helped me a bunch. And so the Lord sent that to me for that season of time to help me. And uh, so I appreciate that. But with this glory that, that the Lord wants for us to have It needs to be around the clock glory, not just once in a while. See, the Father's love, you never know when you're going to need it. You never know when you're going to need it. You never know when the, a situation is going to arise that You need to reach a hand of love out to somebody who's in a desperate situation. See, you have the answer. The answer is inside of you. If it's activated, if it's enabled, you know, on the tractors, so I'm switching gears here. On tractors right now, it's interesting. Since I'm a farmer, I, I, I talk tractors. Most of our tractors, I've only, got, I've only got one right now that doesn't have a GPS on it, an auto steer. But you know, you can drive around out there all that you want unless you engage that auto steer. It's just going to wander wherever it wants to wander until you engage that. Now, I also know that whenever, you know, I'm, I, you learn this, that anytime that you touch that steering wheel, it automatically disengages that auto steer. 
So sometimes when you least expect it, you're not paying attention. You bump that steering wheel and all of a sudden, this tractor is taking off and going somewhere else that you have no idea where it's going and you didn't intend for it to do that. And it's really embarrassing when that happens because normally you're leaving a trail behind you <laughs> that what in the world happened here because all the neighbors go by and say, what in the world? He's got auto steer. He can't drive. What happened? It's the same thing in the spirit realm. There's an auto steer in the spirit. The Lord can guide you, but you have to engage it and make sure that you're paying attention to it and following it and not disregarding it and bumping the steering wheel and say, hey, I think I'm going to go over here and look at this. God wants us to be fully engaged and on auto steer in the spirit to where he is guiding you and directing your each and every step. The love of the Father brings that back to us and keeps us focused. It says in verse 30 that moreover whom he predestined, he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, he glorified. All right, so we've got... <clears throat> Dealing with predestination is an interesting thing. And I'm not sure I want to start that. I want to open that can of worms tonight. But each and every one of you are predestined. The choice is still yours. But you're still predestined. God has a plan for you. Doesn't it say that the Lord orders your steps? Yes. You know, once in a while, there are steps that, I don't know if you've ever seen this, little kids, they get caught by their dad. <laughs> steps are being ordered, but it's not the steps that little kid wanted. Sometimes we're that way with the Lord. He can grab us and put us where we need to be, and sometimes it's not exactly what we thought it should be, but the Lord knows best. He's the Heavenly Father. So you've been called. How many of you know you're called? See, that's, that's a, sometimes an iffy question. Am I called or am I not? Well, I know he is and I know she is, but am I? Oh, I, we dismiss ourselves. You are called of the Lord. Boy, that's an amen. You're called of the Lord. You need to recognize that I'm the called of the Lord because you are called of God. No one can fill your call. You're called. You're justified. I have right standing. God didn't choose no junk. You got to lighten up. You are called. You are justified. The Lord says, I'm okay with you. It's not about a performance. Oh, I didn't do this well enough. Well, so what? The Lord loves you anyway. And it may have been some of the imperfections that he's chosen. But as I say, if you looked at who he chose, there's 
some pretty imperfect ones in those choices, but they're still justified. Then when you're justified, you have right standing, then it says you're glorified. What happens is that means that you're just a carrier of the Spirit of God, which is His glory. Called, you've been chosen, justified, you're cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Your righteousness comes from him, not from you. Then it says you're glorified. That means that the spirit of God that was Adam's covering in the garden is yours. But the glory in the spirit realm, you're covered in, with the glory of the Lord. He purchased it for you. It says then, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Is God for you? Part of the Father's love knows this. My dad can beat up your dad. When Satan shows up, my dad's bigger than your dad. My dad eats demons for breakfast. Spits them out. Who is or who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with all or with him also freely give us all things? God loved you enough that he sent his only begotten son to purchase you. Do you think that if he loved you that much? that he won't answer your prayer, that he doesn't hear you, that he doesn't know what's going on in your life, that he doesn't care about you, that you, you know, this deal with the orphan spirit that's running around in the world, it is such a lie from the pit of hell. God has not abandoned you. God has not left you. If you're going through some tough times, those are the times to press in to knowing the Lord. That's the dig, it's the time you dig deep into the things of God. He says he'll freely give you all things. If he gave us his son, he's certainly going to give you everything else that you need. Romans 8 and 38. Paul writing says, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from God. Nothing, nothing, no demon, no sickness, nothing can separate you as long as you want to maintain that relationship. All you have to do is say, Jesus, Jesus, and instantly you have the Father's attention. Nothing can separate us from the love of God who is in Christ Jesus. John 14. In my Father's house are many mansions. In my Father's house. In my Father's house. In my... You got to make that personal. In Daddy's house... I've got a room, I've got a place. 
you know, in the world today, it's people are talking about how many kids have returned home and are living with their parents. Phenomenon. Not really. The world's tough out there. In the spirit realm, God's got a room prepared for you. Not only in the future, but right now. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, is he doing that? Absolutely. What the Lord has prepared for you is going to blow your mind. Because, see, he knows things about you that you don't know. Some of you may say, well, I can think dream pretty big. Not as big as God. Not as big as God. You're going to be amazed at what the Lord's prepared for you. The sights, the sounds, the smells, the aromas are going to be amazing. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. For where I, that where I am, there you may be also. Where do you want to dwell? Where do you want to live when you grow up? Think about it. You're God's kids. Where do you want to live when you grow up? I'm moving in with dad. And that's one of those things that it's okay. He's got a place for you. See, he's got a really big place. His house, you got lots of room. John 15 and 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known unto you. This is an interesting concept of the relationship between a father and, a, and, and the children. It's one thing to be father figure and authority figure. It's another thing to be a friend. Almost all parents want to be friends with their kids at the expense of being the parent. It's the new norm. Friend first, then parent. We'll try to work it out. It's easier that way. No, it's not. See, God has a perfect plan. He's God the parent. He's also God the friend. But he's going to bring some correction when it's needed. And it's okay. If you need it, Receive it. It's good. God will bring you back to a place of relationship to where you'll love him more than you did before. To where it's an, a growing relationship. Everything that I heard from my father, I have made known unto you. That's going to be a very deep subject. Because Jesus knew a whole lot about the father 
All of that's available to us. As you pray and as you spend time, he wants you to know him. Verse 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you that you love one another. So you didn't choose the Lord. The Lord chose you. How's that possible? We're all, we all have free choice. It's my choice. Really? The Lord has a way of getting your attention. The Lord has a way of getting your attention. If you don't believe that, just ask Jonah. Think about it. Jonah had free choice. Jonah decided that his choice was probably not the best choice. And so he cried out to the Lord, I'll do it your way, God. I'll do it your way. And he did. <clears throat> he wasn't happy about it. Even when he had great results, he still wasn't happy about it. But God got his way. And he saved a lot of people. God's heart is to save people. The Father's heart is to have all this house that he's building to be totally full, no empty rooms. He says that you're going to go. He's appointed you that you could bear fruit. All of you are bearing fruit. So you can say to your neighbor, I'm bearing fruit. I just want it to be the right fruit. Okay. That your fruit should remain. Whatever you ask the Father, in my name he may give you. That's very important whenever you come to a place where you really need an answer from the Father. If you've built the relationship, you can go and ask what you will in accordance with the Father's will, and it says that he'll give it to you. These things I command you. Love one another. Love is the key that opens the door to all access heaven. Love is the key that opens the door all access heaven. Love is the key that opens the door all access heaven. You love the Lord with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, everything that you have and you love your neighbor as yourself, bingo, you fulfilled all the commandments. Simple, right? 1627, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. The Father himself loves you. The Father's love is pouring over you, is washing over you day by day. It's real easy sometimes whenever you're going through stuff to feel like you're forgotten, you're abandoned, but the Father loves you. It doesn't change. Well, I didn't do this right. It doesn't change. The Father's love is still washing over you each and every 
day. As we love the Lord, as we love the Son, and that we believe that he came from God, it just continues to pour into you. John 16 and 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. This is Jesus and his intercessory prayer for his disciples in the last night of his life. It says that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. That's a mouthful that's summed up in one word, unity. Unity. Jesus' intercessory prayer was for unity. Unity. Isn't it amazing that the body of Christ is so divided? What a shame. That is changing. God's in the process of bringing his children back under one banner. Under one banner. You remember the old song they used to sing? His banner over me was... Some of you are probably not old enough to remember that. Hebrews 2 and 9. I'm getting ready to close. Hebrews 2 and 9. But we see Jesus. How many of you see Jesus? But we see Jesus. Do you know that you can see him? You know the best place to see him? Your brothers and sisters. Your brothers and sisters. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are, are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. He was crowned with glory and honor. He tasted death for everyone. Since he tasted death, he exchanged it. And now you have life everlasting. Remember Jesus' word, it says, he that believeth me, he'll never die. You may lay the body down, but you've just changed locations. You've just changed locations. That's the Father's love. Verse 11, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I and the children whom God has given me. It says that he's going to declare the name of the Lord to you. Jesus is declaring the name of God every day. Every day. What do you need today? Well, how about Jehovah Rapha? How about Jehovah Jireh? How about El Shaddai? Jehovah Sitkanu. Your righteousness, whatever you need, he is declaring over you so that you can taste the fullness 
of God's best. It says that we need to sing praises to him. We need to put our trust in him. And he says, here I am and the children whom God has given to me. The Lord's house and family is going to be complete. And you're a part of that family. He's brought you in, adopted you in, chosen. See, that's the difference between the adopted and those that is, you know, in your, your nat- natural born family, so to speak. You know, you don't get to choose what you get there. When you have that little one, you made that. But the adopted, you choose. Say, no, I see that. That's why Rabbi's testimony is so powerful about the restoration. His birth parents versus his adoptive parents, both were needed. Both were needed. It's the same thing. We have birth parents here, but we have adoptive parent that says, you know what? I'm bringing you to me because I want you to be a part of my family. That's in the heavenly realm. That's in the heavenly realm. Ephesians 3 and 16, that he would grant you, and this is my prayer for you. This is like I say was in closing. Took me just a second to get there, but not too long. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Inner man, outer man, inner man, outer man, inner man, outer man, inner man, outer man, inner, oh man. Which is it going to be? How about it's both? You're an inner man and an outer man. And sometimes they're at war with one another. But Jesus has come for the purpose of strengthening your inner man. Because the inner man is the one that's the eternal man. It's the eternal. So he is strengthening you. So, you know what? It's not on you. So that's why you can pray when things aren't going right. God, you're responsible for me. You chose me. You know what you was getting whenever you chose me. So I'm not responsible for this. So you need to take responsibility for this. But when you do that, he will. And then there's going to be some education that comes your way because he will educate you in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that being rooted and grounded in love, you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. That Christ may dwell in your heart. Christ dwelling in your heart. Christ dwelling in your heart. Christ dwelling in your heart through faith. Rooted and grounded in what? Love. Love, the Father's love poured out in you that enables you to comprehend with all the saints, everybody else. You need everybody else. Then he gets into the four dimensions. Not a three-dimensional experience, but a four-dimensional experience. The width, the length, the depth, and the height. That pretty well covers it. Width, length, depth, 
height, four dimensions. We live in a three-dimensional world, except there's four dimensions. But most generally, all we can comprehend is the three dimensions. But God wants us to understand the fourth dimension. And there's actually four others that go along with that. That's on the spirit side that will come at a later time. That's a coming attraction. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Finished. Finished. I may be, but God's not. God's not finished with you. So I said at the beginning of the service what I wanted to do tonight. So if you're willing, I want to give you what was given to me 14 years ago. An impartation of the Father's love. But see, the Father's love will only come to those who are willing to open their hearts to him. So this was a very simple thing, the man that prayed this over me. So I'm going to basically pray the same prayer over you that he did over me. So if you're ready and that you want this, this is for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the love with which you have loved me. Lord, I praise you, Lord, that you have sent these children of yours into this house tonight. Lord, for an impartation of the Father's love. Lord, I ask that their identity, Lord, would now shift and transform from what they have been to what they are in you. Lord, I pray that the windows of heaven, Lord, would the curtains would be pulled back so that they might see into your realm. Father, that they might receive from you the impartation of the Father's love. Knowing that as they receive that love, Father, they become channels of that love that it begins to pour forth in and through them and it begins to go out in every direction to everyone they come in contact with. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And Lord, that this is granting us new access into the heavenly realm. Father, that we are able to go into the courts and to receive, Lord, a just verdict to every request that we bring to you, our Father. And Lord, I thank you that you have given us your Son as the perpetuation, as the payment. And Father, I thank you that he has sent his Spirit now into each and every one of these. And Lord, I ask, Lord, that as these go their way, Lord, as they live their lives in and through your love, there is a new understanding of who they are in you. 
and Father, who you are in them. And Lord, that they will be able to dream big and they'll be able to receive and be able to have an expectation. Father, I thank you that you have made us heirs and joint heirs. Pour in, Lord, by your spirit, Lord, the revelation of the Father's love into each and every one. May the power of that love, may the world-changing effect of that love take up residence in each and every one of us. And may your glory, may your glory, may your glory fill the temples. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen and amen. Now I need for you to do one thing. If you're in agreement with that, you'd say, I receive receive the impartation impartation of the Father's love. love. I am my beloved's and my beloved's is mine. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Time to take up the offering. Yeah. It's time to sow some seed. Sow into where you want to go. I've actually had fertilizer trucks running today. because I'm getting ready to sow seed in the ground. And before I put that seed in the ground, I've gotta have something there, it's gotta have some groceries. If I wanna have a harvest, and I wanna have a harvest, and you guys wanna have a harvest, and the Father wants to bless you. So as you sow, sow with an expectation Look at it like fertilizer. My finances are going to grow. I'm going to prosper. I am the head and not the tail. I am the first and not the last. I am above and not beneath. Those are the things that God has for you because you belong to him. You're in him. He's in you. And it works out great. Because he loves you, you love him, and all your needs are met. God doesn't leave any of us without provision to fulfill the destiny that you are ordained to accomplish. And he wants you to have plenty of resources to do everything that he's asked you to do He will not fail you. He will not leave you. He will make you the top. Because remember, you're his favorite. You're his favorite. So, Father, I thank you if you'd stand again. Father, I thank you, Lord, for blessing your people. I thank you, Lord, for pouring out the blessings. I thank you, Lord, that you are opening the windows of heaven. Lord, that you are pouring out good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, meeting every need. I thank you, Lord, for the healing. 
for healing everyone within the sound of my voice. Father, I thank you that you have met every financial need. You have met every physical need. You have met every spiritual need according to your riches in glory. And we thank you for that in advance for miracles transpiring in each and every life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Shabbat Shalom. We want to thank you for joining us on streaming. Have a blessed Shabbat. We'll see you soon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from the One New Man Network. For more information, please visit us at theonenewman.com.